name is Cal Wedby. And my name is Tricia Sykes. And this is Turn Left at the Cactus. The podcast that explores the many voices, places, and things that make up the community of San Felipe, Baja, Mexico. In this conversation, Tricia and I had a chance to learn more about Carol Corbridge and Jaina Harrison. Now, we've known these women for a number of years through the women's community of Las Hermanas del Desierto, Wednesday Afternoon Trivia at San Felipe Brewing Company, Pickleball at El Dorado Ranch, Cornhole Games, and through many other activities. But we've never really had a chance to sit and hear their overall impressions of Mexico, specifically San Felipe. As snowbirds arriving in more or less October and staying through April or May, they join 5,000 other snowbirds who return year after year to this area. During the winter months, our town of San Felipe changes almost overnight from a sleepy little fishing village to a vibrant retirement community that hosts more events and activities than a person can keep up with. Shops and restaurants come alive, catering not just to snowbirds and expats and locals, but to off-road racing crowds and Mexicali residents escaping the hustle and bustle of the city. Despite this radical change from summer to winter, one thing remains constant about this town. It's a sense of community. A sense that, no matter what's happening around us, we share certain attitudes, interests, and characteristics. In this conversation, Jaina and Carol demonstrate that no matter where you come from, no matter what your background, no matter whether you live here full-time or part-time, San Felipe's greatest strength is its small-town feel. Join us now as we visit with Jaina and Carol. Welcome, Jaina and Carol, yep. to Turn Left at the Cactus. And also, I must say, very, very dear friends. Yes. So I'll probably do. interrupt a lot today. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'll make us feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've known uh, these two for a very long time, probably over 10 years. We used to live in the same neighborhood a long time ago, and then they moved away. But they're still in the area. Thank goodness. So. Let's start with talking about who you are and where you've come from and uh, just, uh, you know, what your your life's journey has been to get here, briefly. I'll start. Okay. I I was born in California, in Northern California, near Sacramento. My dad worked for the phone company, so we moved every few years to Kansas, New Jersey, back to Kansas, back to California, high school, college in California. From there, I dropped out of college and... After a little while, figured out I had to work for a living and ended up settling down and working in Oregon. And uh, that's where I spent most of my adult life. What did you do for a living? I uh, ran a landscaping company, construction. In Ashland. Ashland, Medford, Southern Oregon. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Gina? Well, I was born in California, too, in the Bay Area. I grew up in the East Bay back in the... 70s, 60s, 70s, and I moved up to Oregon 
1985. I was a gardener, and that's how I hooked up with Carol, because she ran the landscaping business. I got a job with her gardening, and that's how we met. Out of curiosity, what attracted you to Oregon? For me, I've been trying to stay ahead of the population wave, and so I moved out from the Bay Area to Southern Oregon because it was more rural than Ashland area more rural well just Oregon in general yep yeah me too I love the outdoors and I wanted to be in a natural environment kind of a back to the lander hippie type Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that made my own bread ground my own flour that that was the era for that that kind Mm -hmm. of thing right exactly well especially in our community right so were you involved with the women's community no I was married to a very nice man named Brian we were hippies uh, in Klamath Falls area of Oregon and mm-hmm. grew our own vegetables and had a little wood stove and ringer washer, all that stuff. And Dana, were you involved in the women's community? Well, how do you mean? <laughs> well, did you... Like how many girlfriends did yeah. I have? <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you want to reveal that to everybody, yeah, that I would was, be well, fine. I'm glad I you have, asked that. I had to leave the Bay Area. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, she was oh, the Shane of the Bay Area <laughs> from Elward. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I guess, I don't know, kind of involved in women's community. In Oregon, they uh, used to have every summer a women's gathering, so we were pretty involved in that. Right. Yeah, once we got to Oregon, well, once Jana went to work for me and that evolved, we... Uh, started being involved in the women's community mm-hmm. and those were the days of camping up in the at the girl scout camp with the, every summer with the, with the women's community mm-hmm. pretty fun times mm-hmm. so how did it evolve that you came to san felipe when did you first uh, hear about it and when did you decide that you were going to come explore it um i think it's about 10 years ago we've been coming down for 10 years and before we came down here we had lived on a kind of semi-ranch in Oregon, and then we built a summer cabin in Montana. And then after a while, we figured out that we couldn't really afford both, so we sold, like, the ranch in Oregon. We moved into a trailer park in Ashland that was um, a really great one. It it was a real great community. We knew everyone, but it was just a little too crowded for us. Uh, So then we had a friend that recommended that we check out Baja, so we did and ended up trading the place in Oregon for our place down here. Basically, yeah, we sold the little trailer in Oregon and bought a little square of sand in El Dorado Ranch. Right. Mm -hmm. And then built a small glorified camping spot. And we loved it here immediately. It took us a month to make that decision before we left. We stayed in the condos before we left that month's stay. We had bought the property. And the next uh, season, we came back and built. And what were some of your first impressions of the area? Peace. Just seeing the new moon setting behind Diablo, I felt like I was home and that this is where I meant to be. It wasn't in any kind of plan, but when I come here, I felt like I'm home. Yeah, I I get that. Immediately, I think we bonded with the land is what it was. And, you know, the people came later maybe, but initially it was just we felt very connected to the land. And Jana actually had painted or drawn some pen and ink drawings years ago, long before she met me, that if you look at them are clearly a San Felipe landscape. 
Really? Oh. Yeah, we'll show you sometime. Oh, that's She yeah, visualized that's cool. it a long time ago. <laughs> True <laughs> fact. And I just want to throw in that, um, you know, we've had a lot of people here, and I'm going to get back to this, that um, that are real desert people in the, you know, like we had Wayne and we had, I don't know, some, some other guys that go out like mm -hmm. you guys do. And so um, I thought when we do talk about it, that it would be great to talk about, you know, you guys are the ones who go with these guys. So you're the group. So I would uh, later on like to hear about that. Yeah, so let's put a pin in that and come back to that. Yeah, yeah exactly. I didn't want to forget to okay yeah. to point that out. Because you guys are they are the consummate outdoor women. Yes. So you consider yourselves to be snowbirds, correct? Yeah, we okay. migrate. Yeah. We migrate. Yeah, yeah from Montana. Then. We always think we're going to stay later, mm -hmm. and it gets too cold. Come October, it's just like, let's go. And you moved, you moved from EDR to Pete's Camp. What happened there that made you decide to do that? Well, it became too difficult to live in such a rudimentary dwelling for me. Like if I got a cold or something, we didn't have TV. We didn't have an indoor kitchen. Our kitchen was screened in, but it was outside. We did not have an indoor shower. The shower was outside. And, you know, it was just so basic. So I wanted a dishwasher and mm -hmm. just some comforts. And we mm -hmm. started looking, and we must have looked for a year or two mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and looked and looked. And anyway, mm -hmm. after a long process, we ended up walking into this house at Pete's camp and going, this is the one, both of us. It right. was the one. I, when I walked down the, <laughs> the atrium to the south, it was just like, oh, yeah, this is where I need to be. This is it. Well, for our listeners, we need to mention here that uh, their initial homestead was in um, El Dorado Ranch, which they've already said, but it was also in the solar community of Los Viajeros North. It's we had four golf cart batteries mm -hmm. and two solar panels, 100-watt uh, solar panels that powered our... Right. And so we couldn't have a microwave. Carol tried. No, but, you know, it just <laughs> required uh. way too much thinking ahead. <laughs> It was lovely up there, however. Mm -hmm. it was we, had, we were the only ones on the block. We had lots of wildlife. The birds and the quiet and the views of the mountains are just... There's nothing like it. So we, we moved to Pete's Camp, but we ended up getting another lot in El Dorado. And sometimes we go up there and have a campfire and just enjoy the starlight. It yep. has a campfire ring. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and a story I found out, I was uh, chopping the weeds down because we were going to have a campfire. And a neighbor came walking by and she said, did you know that when that guard tower used to be manned, the guys would come right to that spot and have a campfire and cook. Oh, and really? And as I cleaned up all the weeds, I found their old fire ring oh, and the cool. charcoal. It was really neat. That is cool. Yeah. The local Mexican guys. Yeah. Yeah, El Dorado Ranch has several observation towers all over. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that yeah. are none of them are used anymore. No, not anymore. No. Yeah. Well, who would want to? <laughs> Scary. <laughs> when you first came down here, could you share with us some um, mistakes you might have made? I would say that our builder choice was not the best, and our we picked a really high end builder, expecting that we'd get high-end service, but mm -hmm. since our project was so tiny, it was not of importance to him, and it drug out for three months. Should have taken 
a month maybe. So that was, and you know, we dealt with it. And I later used him again, but I put a clause in the contract saying, you know, if you're done a day early, I'll pay you an extra hundred bucks. And if you're done a day late, I'm going to pay you a hundred bucks less. And that worked out really good. He was done on time. <laughs> and we wow. joked with each other the whole time how he was, I'm going to owe him all this money because he mm. was going to be done. I can't think of any mistake. We went through the medical thing and had that insurance for a while. IMSS. Yeah. And it was a lot of work, you know, just to go through the hoops and the paperwork. And I don't know that it was a mistake, but it wasn't worth it. Jana did not have any insurance because it was so expensive in the States. Mm -hmm. Jana was so healthy. It went up to 2000 a month for health insurance. And yeah. Carol's like, you know, you're not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. But we found that down here, it was about 300 a year then, and we saw it as a catastrophic mm-hmm. safety net. And uh, then we also, as time went on, we got another policy uh, that was... I forget how much that was. It was 120 a month. A month. And it covered Jana quite well anywhere in the world except the United States. And if she was in the United States, she would be uh, transported to a country with a reasonable medical system. Anyway, that I don't know that that's still available, but that's what we did for a mm-hmm. while until Jana was old enough to get Medicare. So that was kind of a mistake doing IMSS because the quality of that level of medical care may not have been what we would have chosen mm-hmm. had we needed it. Just as, as an aside, I know that when we first moved here, jumping into things was something that we did a couple of times because we didn't, we didn't know. And for people who are going to come here and, you know, ask a lot of questions before you do anything, Mm -hmm. don't assume. And don't just ask people on San Felipe Chatter (laughs) because they don't know anything a lot of the time. So just Mm -hmm. Google it. Well, or or to ask your friends that the social network's really useful here. Right. As far as finding out how to do things. And very, and people love to share here. Like Carol, I know when when Marnie and I first moved here, I don't think I ever said a sentence to her without a question mark at the end. Did I? Well, I we just, didn't even know you, and you. No, we texted or emailed each yeah, other. Yeah, met each. you at some party, and that was a poor you. Yeah. No, I like helping own. people, and I I'm happy to share information. So that's you can always go to someone who's been here for a while for some state advice. Mm-hmm. And and doing it in person, I think, is really important. Mm-hmm. I think we we've had or we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of uh, misinformation on chatter, mm-hmm. and it goes on and on. <gasps> Forever and everybody's got an opinion, opinion. <laughs> right? And it usually goes down rabbit holes. Yes, that, it does. Yeah. So, speaking of that, what advice would you to give to someone who is planning on coming down here, moving down here? I would say that not that we did it, but renting first is probably a really good idea to learn the neighborhoods, to be part of the culture, Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. not make a huge commitment before you know what is going on here. Because it takes a while to learn whether you want to live at El Dorado Ranch or Mm -hmm. do you want to live in Pete's Camp? Do you like the South Campos, which is a whole nother world? You know, those things are not something you can find out in two weeks. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's really true. Mm-hmm. I, I I know that we didn't do that. And there are things that I think, oh, I would have, would have done that differently. It's fine now, but... What do you think, Jaina? What advice would you give? I would advise people just to jump in. 
and just do it. Because you don't know if you want to live at El Dorado unless you live there. I don't know. I like Pete's Camp better. But El Dorado was a great experience, too. Well, enough good enough experience. We continued to have oh, yeah. ownership there. So well, how, how would you compare the two places? Do some pros and cons for us. Um, I understand having the security guards, but I like being able just to drive home and not have to go through gates. So Pete's Camp has a kind of freedom to it that I like. Also, Pete's Camp is a village, and it's there's not many villages that I've ever had the pleasure of living in. And there, of course, there's pluses and minuses to that, but it is a little village of people you know, your neighbors. In fact, there's only about 200, I believe, lots there. And uh, people walk their dogs. People are out on their bikes. You see people all the time. There's the communal cantina and restaurant that's very active and the beach, of course. Whereas El Dorado is much more spread out. I mean, it's huge and vast compared to Pete's Camp. And so you have, I, I miss some of the privacy because I like quiet and darkness and there's not any darkness at Pete's camp, but there is quiet sometimes. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I often wondered about that decision that you guys made because I know that that you know you didn't like the trailer park because there were people so many. So I, I guess it did. It has surprised most of us that when you decided to live close to people like that, it surprised me. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised myself. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I would take it but um there's a real sense of community there and i enjoy that and it's almost like you're more incognito when you're within a group of people than if you were just like one or two houses on one street where like you'd have to talk to your neighbor <laughs> like you know? them or not yeah, yeah. so i kind of like that having the activity and there is light pollution and that can be a little difficult because we have a, a outside sleeping area. So, you know, that, that could be a bother. It doesn't really bother me, though. I sleep pretty good. I think that that's the difference. In El Dorado, if you choose to go to the um, solar communities, the light pollution is a lot less. But out here in Electric, where Wiggs and I are, and over there in La Ventana, you got your lights. We got lights. Lights, yeah. for sure. And we've got neighbors that like to have lots of lights. So. Well, there's some consciousness on uh, at El Dorado Ranch around light pollution. Mm -hmm. There's none at Pete's Camp because mm -hmm. I don't know why. But there is. It's more about security. People mm -hmm. feel like feel safer with a lot of light. I'd, mm -hmm. I'm really, if, if I was going to get on a soapbox, light pollution might be one of my choices because mm -hmm. it's so bad for the birds and it's... Migration for all many animals. It's mm -hmm. awful for them. Night mm -hmm. should be dark. Mm -hmm. And it's better for humans. It's just night should be dark. But I think it's a losing battle here anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Since you're over at Pete's Camp, you're on the beach. So how is it being on the beach? Well, I wake up every morning and see the sun coming up over the water. A lot of times the sky is magenta and green and lavender. And I just feel... Like I'm in a really good spot. I like being by the water, so it's good for me. I think Jaina really likes it because she can spontaneously take her kayak down mm -hmm. to the water. When she looks out there and sees it's all flat and glassy, then, she, you know, it's like two blocks, and she's down there with the kayak. Mm -hmm. So that's 
And Jane is a, a water lover and swimmer. She swims in the sea whenever it's warm. I just go and sit and drink beer at the beach. <laughs> Someone gave me a wetsuit, and I keep thinking, I should try it on and see if I can swim now. But Yeah, the water's a little bit. It's pretty cold. It's probably too cold now. It's pretty cold yeah. now. I mean, no one else is swimming, but it's just yeah. an idea. Even the locals. Yeah. They would never swim this time of year because it's dead on winter. We went to Mullahay once, and we were asking uh, the local people, is it okay if we swim right there? And they're like, if you want to, you know, because it was winter, but we didn't consider it winter. Speaking of going down to Mulihe, you've actually gone down to Cabo and back, right? Never or? been to Cabo. Okay. Furthest south was Laredo. Okay. And you went Highway 5 and then cut over to 1? Well, we've done a few trips, but okay. um, maybe 20 years ago, we flew into Laredo mm. and rented a car and drove up to Mulihe. And then we went back to Oregon where we were working. But since we've been here, we've driven as far south as the Bahia Concepcion and an off-road jeep group. And we crossed over on off-road trails to the Pacific from Mulahe. And that was, that was real fun. Well, that's a good segue into talking about what you wanted to talk about, Tricia. Yeah. You two uh, of our whole our gay community here, you, you by far are the ones who like to go out on all the drive outs and all that kind of thing. So when you first got here, were there um, trips like that? Was Wayne doing trips? Were there, was there a Sidewinders? Was there a the one? Scorpions. Scorpions? Scorpions, yeah. yeah. Well, explain the various groups. Start, let's should, start with that. Okay, I can explain the groups. And the Scorpions were there, and it took maybe a year or two for some friends to offer to sponsor us in the Scorpions. And we didn't really know what they were. But they just came out of the blue and said, hey. Want to join? You want? Well, all right. And you have, to have a, you have to have a Jeep. A four-wheel drive oh, vehicle. Four. Okay. We had a really crappy forerunner back then. Forerunner? Yeah. 1998 forerunner. Yeah, you you need to be sponsored by someone um, if you're interested and and um, competent. You have you go have to go on a run and uh, prove your ability to deal with four wheel drive situations enough that you know like they make you drive through some sand or something. Different runs, your sponsor goes with you on the run, and different runs are qualifying runs, meaning there's something hard enough to make you have some minor challenge but today's four by fours make driving in the desert easy so mm -hmm. it's not like taking the rails out in the old days huh? no no it's yeah. not not like that but it's quite a big group and they go out and there's a lot to see in the desert I, like i said i'm an outside lover and i i'm mostly out there i don't really i'm not a car aficionado but i am an outside lover and i like to um see what's out there, see the flora and fauna. And I, I like to go a little slower than most of the groups go, cause, but, but that's what the scorpions do. And they also are search and rescue, so they help with ever there's that issue. Some very competent people in that group that know a lot about off-roading. And desert survival. And desert survival, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I would think it would be a very good suggestion for people who come down here um, who are newer to absolutely join one of those groups if they're interested because then they're going to learn everything there is to know 
about surviving in the desert. Number one being don't ever go by by yourself. Yeah, it's a commitment to join the scorpions. Mm -hmm. You pretty much need a radio to go in your Jeep Mm -hmm. because it's it's a safety thing. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, all the safety stuff you do learn, you're right, you do learn all that safety stuff and you absolutely never ever should go out in the desert by yourself. Ever, never, ever. And there's another group, the Sidewinders, who are um, just meet this right now. They're meeting on Fridays, um, and they go somewhere mm-hmm. <clears throat> out in the desert, and they meet somewhere. And the emails go out on Wednesdays, and and uh, you get to decide if you want to go. And sometimes what they think they're going to do turns into something different, and you're just along for the ride, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And everybody stays together. You always wait at every corner for the car behind you, so that you know that they know where to turn. It's and it's fun, you know, you stop and have lunch. and So it's an all-day affair, pretty much. Do you want to commit a whole day to it, and maybe you'll be back at 2, and maybe mm-hmm. you'll be back at 4. Or 6. Yeah, depending. Oh. I mean, if someone breaks down, there mm-hmm. sometimes there's needs for longer time in the desert than anticipated. You're just ready to be there. And there's, if you break down, there's six guys ready with their tools to help you as soon as you could possibly want it. Everyone is very helpful. It's a very generous and, Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, capable, competent group. Mm -hmm. Would you advise other women who come down here, single women? Sure. uh, Sure. There's no reason that women can't do this, and and they're very welcoming. There's no problem uh, as far as women do it. In fact, we have a few uh, people come out on the runs where it's two women, you know. There's a lot of women in the groups. Yeah, many, many. Yeah, and um, you, you just have to learn how to uh, be safe in the desert. And like Tricia said, that's a good thing to know. And yeah, it's fine for women. And it's very empowering, really, you know, to get out there and feel like you can survive if you need to. Mm -hmm. Would you recommend that they have a four-wheel drive vehicle? For going in the desert? For doing, yeah, what what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. So you can't just take a rail out. A rail works with the sidewinders. A rail doesn't work with the scorpions. The rails, you know, the rails are kind of becoming dinosaurs. They're fabulous. And they're, they're really cool. There's a lot of them in the Sidewinders. Many, There's many. a real mixture of mm-hmm. uh, ATVs, the sand rails. And- well, for people who don't know, what exactly does a sand rail look like? Well, I think maybe Cal needs to answer that because I've never been sure exactly what defines a sand rail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no way I could do it either. <laughs> well, to me, but it just looks like there's a bunch of pipes <laughs> welded together mm-hmm. with an engine mm-hmm. in the front and four seats in the back and it doesn't look fun to me it looks like it, you would hit every single bump and it would have every mm. bone broken there's no hood there's, there's no, no doors. doors there might be a roof barely there's nothing covering the engine mm-hmm. there uh-uh. a naked vehicle yep, right. made out of pipes basically yep. yeah right but good suspension yeah and most they're of comfortable, them yeah, yeah they're very comfortable um, some they of them are, dusty. are so, yeah, but you know what? Mine is not. I have seen people coming off with their razors and they are, I mean, they are dust from head to toe and I've gone on the same run with them and we're, I mean, we're not spotless, of course, but we don't look anything like they do. Well, you've got quite a unique rail. <laughs> you do. It's, yeah, it's not like any, it's not like the rails we're talking about right no, now. It's called no. a, a, a Barney, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the important thing is that, that we have covering on the floor. 
Mm-hmm. And, oh. and we also have a windshield. And yeah. so that makes a, a big difference. Yes, it certainly does. <laughs> yeah, but the rails are fine for yeah. the sidewinders. And yeah. that group, if you ha- you probably don't want a, a truck. A lot of times the tr- four-wheel drive trucks are too light in the back to really handle the sand. Hmm. So, so A lot of fishtailing. Yeah. So they can't go as fast, and you know. And as it is, if you go with a mixture of ATVs and Jeeps, <laughs> the ATVs can go way faster. So the ATVs are always in front and waiting for the Jeeps. That's why a lot mm-hmm. of groups only allow a certain kind of vehicle per run. The Sidewinders there, they're wide open. So what's your most favorite thing about going out on a run? Um, the scenery. Mm. It, you can't believe how magnificent Mount Diablo is. Mm. And then you get right up in those canyons, and there's water coming down, uh-huh. and granite rocks, and it's just incredibly beautiful and powerful. And a few times we've followed little rivulets and found some uh, like swimming pools, and it's it's just really neat. Have you seen any uh, any of the uh, bighorn sheep up there? I have not. Only burrows. Oh, you have seen the burrows. And then okay. the ranchers' cattle, which, by the way, this year, the cows look really good. They're really fat. Thank you, hurricanes and rain. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. I like the feeling of being with a group of people on an adventure, and you really get that sense, like when we all stop for breaks, and it's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's play. It's a lot of play down here. Yeah, I, that I, do, was, I do love that part. One of my most favorite things about going out is uh, is stopping for for lunch. And some people are really elaborate, <laughs> and then other people, it's like you can barely get a maybe a bag of chips out of them, you know. And it's I mean, it's just it's such a wonderful hodgepodge of and people, people just and energy. Spread their chairs out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're looking for shade. It's mm-hmm. all haphazard, and some people mm-hmm. are sitting in their cars mm-hmm. and. Some people take hikes. We usually stop for about an hour, enough time for people that's, to... Yeah, that's a nice time to get your bottom up and walking and moving. And Well, they actually stop every couple hours anyway uh, for bathroom breaks and just so people can... Sometimes little things happen on the cars. you got to stop and mm-hmm. tie something down. We sure did love going to the waterfalls with you guys. It's been a few years now, but boy, we sure... Uh, that was a wonderful experience. Well, we'll do really it again. Fun. Yep. Are, do you guys have any regrets about buying here or being here? Is there anything that would deter you from staying? I have no regrets. None. I like the the ambiance. It's not like a real big city, but you do have, you know, stores, gas stations, you know, the things you need, but it, it's not very hectic. Yeah, it's not Puerto Vallarta, right? And it's a small enough community when you go anywhere, you run into people that you know. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think you know everyone in town. Wherever we go, Carol comes from across the field. Well, I like people, and I am a joiner, so Mm -hmm. I just like being in a community where you see people just casually when you, and sometimes you don't want to, you know, you're like, your hair isn't looking good that day, Mm -hmm. and you just but nobody... needed to get the mail. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But nobody cares. Nobody I don't, cares. I don't think anyone care. Oh, no. not here. No. It's like the whole place is Walmart. 
<laughs> I used to think yeah. that I moved from Los Angeles to Bellingham, and I couldn't believe how the, the dress code was, mm-hmm. you know, you go to the, a concert in a sweatshirt and jeans. I was appalled. And so now, I really, truly, you should see how I look sometimes going to the mailbox. It's a, And you know what? I don't care. And neither does anybody else. No, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you, you two have been coming down here for 10 years, and there have been a lot of changes. You want to talk a little bit about the changes you've seen? Hmm. Good, bad, the ugly. Changes. Well, the thing that stands out to me the most is the influx of people moving here. And I think partly it's due to shows like yours saying, this is really great down here. Oops. Don't shoot us. No, I won't. But, (laughs) I mean, people are going to migrate. I think there's a lot of people choosing to be down here permanently. I don't think I could ever take a winter in Montana, so I think eventually I'll we'll be down here full time. But for now, no. But um, I guess the thing I've seen the most is the growth. There's a lot of building, and I think that that's probably good for the local community because I see a lot of people out working, and um, you know that's a good thing. Yeah, progress is happening, which is good and bad. You see more paved streets in San Felipe. Pete's Camp went from having a really funky palapa bar and a bunch of really funky palapa uh, cabanas down at the beach, which I preferred over the new fancy stuff. Me too. Stuff. Me too. I miss but, those. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a very nice venue, but it's not, it's not rural Mexico, which is what it used to be. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that's the same thing, the growth thing. Mm-hmm. And building everywhere. La Ventana seems like there's a lot going on there. I can't believe how many houses have been built since we moved there. Yeah. And La yeah. Ventana is, is uh, La Ventana del Mar is part of El Dorado Ranch. El Dorado Ranch. Ranch. It's, it's on, the, on the seaside. Yeah. It's the golf yeah. course community. Yeah. Which yeah. is on the seaside. On the seaside. How many, do you know how many lots there are there? Yeah, it's a limited number. I'm getting from the peanut gallery. There's 400 lots, and I think there's 90 to 100 houses. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that mm-hmm. sounds about right. And, think, and there's that's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the ranch overall, not the Ventana side, but the mountain side might be, what do you think, 10 or 20% developed of its potential? I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it's not much, really. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of open space. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, I've heard that, that it's 30, 30 miles, it's 30 square miles Okay. of... Potential development. Yeah. And there was supposed to be another golf course over here somewhere, right? Yes, as well as a whole bunch of other things that (laughs) never materialized. But yeah, but we're just fine with what we have. Oh, I love it the way it is. I'm not complaining. But yeah, so seeing the growth, and I think we'll see continued growth, Mm -hmm. maybe even accelerated. Right. And it's fun having new people come into town, though. I always like introducing people to things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What what I find is fun is that there when you when you meet them say like at the at the brewery or or at Pete's camp and you get a chance to sit down and visit with them their enthusiasm <laughs> is so so cute the newcomers you know? yeah. yeah oh yeah and it's uh, it's just delightful I think you know to visit with them so I was just told it's eight hundred lots. 800 lots mm-hmm. over on your side? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Yeah, I'm only about 100. 
Wow. Or developed. I, I don't know how many are owned. 800? I don't mm-hmm. seem like there's room for that. I know. It doesn't seem like yeah. it. No kidding. Well, it's true. I wrote it down in one of the meetings. I usually take notes. Okay, honey. Okay. Then thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just edit that right no, out. No, we <laughs> won't. We'll leave that right <laughs> there. <laughs> okay. Well, now, when you first came down here, um, because uh, I came, you know, I came down here a little bit earlier than you. At about that time, everybody said that there were probably about five thousand expats in the area. Would you say that that has really increased in that in in the last ten years? Well, That's the number well, I usually say to people when mm-hmm. people ask me. I two thousand twenty thousand in San Felipe. Uh, the locals and about 5,000 expats, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I How many people are on Chatter? That's one way to... Mm-hmm. The number of members of Chatter. They don't all live here. We know that. But. Yeah, it's like 1.3K or something. Really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I mean, right. it is kind mm-hmm. of ridiculous. Well, never but... mind that as a yeah. <laughs> way then. Uh, which but, is why you get so many comments. I, no, I don't know if that's well, accurate or not. die around here a lot, too. Yeah. So. That's going to say cycle of life, you know. Mm-hmm. That what I'm what I'm loving is seeing fifties and sixties moving down here. Because I said people die around here. A oh lot. yeah, <laughs> well they do. they do. It's a retirement community, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. it's I wonder if it if it's you know if it holds steady, if you know people because in, you know on chatter there's somebody almost uh, and then they get. Well, new ones come. And people decide at some point in their lives they want to be close to immediate medical care. Yes. Super high quality medical care. So they yeah. move to Arizona or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so there's that too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's a status quo. At some point, someday, it's going to really take off here. Mm. Maybe not in our lifetimes. I don't know. Yeah. Let's hope not. Yeah. Let's yeah. Hope I not. like it just mm-hmm. the way it is. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think most well, most of us feel that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. most of us that are down here already feel that way. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what do you think are Mexico's greatest strengths? And maybe, perhaps, you could also touch on what you think are Mexico's weaknesses as a country. Well, I think they're they're family. They're very family oriented, and um, there's a lot of joy uh, shared in the families and. The community is strong, and I like the people and how they interact with each other and how they just are in public, the children, everything. It's a really strong family-oriented culture, and I love that. And they respect old people, which is really nice, That's helpful for me. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow or other, I think Jane is the youngster. She's a year younger than I am. I don't know how old I thought you said you were 54. No. I know. It's like, well, you're a lot younger than me. Yeah, me too. I look like it, too. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of love. Um, There's just a real vibe down here. And that's what I like about this Mexico that I know. This is the only Mexico I know is right here. You know, if you're asking about the whole country, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Okay. But um, it's comfortable for me to be in this community and i think it's just part of my nature i grew up in a a lot of hispanic communities Mm. so i feel at home and something else that i love about mexico is that the kids especially young ones are really well behaved 
there's not a lot of fussing and whining and crying and mm -mm. it's like wow mm -mm. no they respect their parents there's you know the parents aren't they don't yell at them mm -hmm. there's none of that going on but those i'll tell you what i've seen these kids up too they know what the rules are. It's really yeah. wonderful to watch. Yeah, it is different when you go mm -hmm. into a restaurant here mm -hmm. and there are American children versus mm -hmm. Mexican children. It's very different. <laughs> it's very it's different. notable. <laughs> it is notable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there any cultural differences that you two are struggling with? I don't think so. I think we've adjusted to most of uh, the cultural differences and either embraced them or adapted. In what way? Well, yeah. you know, they, we always talk about the manana culture and mm -hmm. things. And I have, I mean, I'm a pretty impatient person. And when I'm doing projects, I ran a, a landscape contracting company. I'm used to timelines and things like that. And, uh, I've gotten a lot more relaxed about it. Like, I'm trying to get my fiber optic hooked up for a month now at a house. And, you know, I just go into the phone company once in a while and I show them a picture of what's <laughs> not done. And they write up another work order and guess it'll get done. <laughs> so that's how I, I, you know, it just doesn't seem like that big a deal. Yeah. The longer you hear it, the less it mm -hmm. go. Okay. What about you, Jane? Um, well, I, that's a hard question for me. I think that one thing that we notice, because we stay on this side of the border for six months, we almost never go back until it's time to go back for good. So it's a, we have a culture, it's an impact when we cross one way or the other, because it's, it's it doesn't happen all the time. And when we come into Mexico, one thing is that there's a lot of trash and that's a cultural thing. There's, I mean, just everywhere. And I was just mentioning to Jana the other day, either San Felipe is getting cleaner or I'm not noticing it like mm -hmm. I used to. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, think it's getting cleaner. Yeah, I think it is too. Mm -hmm. I vote for cleaner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were just talking about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So that's one thing about the culture that, you know, in our country, in, in the United States, we had the give a hoot, don't pollute, and all these campaigns to try to get consciousness up around don't throw trash out the window, which we used to do with, mm -hmm. uh, as a culture. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, it takes generational change for people to be aware that maybe throwing trash out the window isn't mm -hmm. a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I think that's coming to Mexico, but I find it, that that particular thing is can be difficult. Mm -hmm the trash on mm -hmm. the beaches and you know but it is getting better here mm -hmm. uh, yeah uh, going out on the El Dorado beach quite a few the last times I've gone there hasn't been that much trash I, it really it's uh, it's nothing I, I went I lived in Venice Beach for a long time you should you want to know trash wow really oh it's awful it's awful people just get up and leave it so here it it is I was very happy to hear and see that it isn't as bad as it used to be what about the dogs? Mm -hmm. Difficult questions. Your turn, Jaina. Um, that's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Americans really prioritize their dogs. They spend a lot of money a lot of on the animals. Mm -hmm. And in Mexico, that doesn't happen. There's a whole different way of dealing with the animals. And so it's two extremes. 
So that I, I see as cultural differences. And I don't know, it's just a, a strange situation because you don't want to come into a culture and kind of dominate how you think they should uh, live their life and, and take care of things. But on the other hand, then you see, you know, like starving dogs and stuff, and that's kind of hard to be around too. So are either of you, speaking of that kind of thing, are either of you involved with any of the volunteer organizations that that deal with the dogs, uh, the stray dogs, the neuter, spay-neuter clinics, the trash pickup, the, any of those kinds of things? We contribute to the organizations that do that. We, uh, I'd say financially, yeah. but as far as like labor or mm-hmm. being boots on the ground, I don't do that. Yeah. But we do financially, and we and I'm really a proponent of education, so we do financially support children making their way through the That's system. Right. That's right. And how do you how do you do that? Well, there's many ways. Uh, Las Amigas is one, and um, explain their program. Um, well, or I'm, I'm or not how you're much involved. Of an expert on this, but uh, how you're involved. Well, Pete's Camp uh, sponsors, I believe, eight children through the HOA, and so that's. Part of my HOA fees go there. I still do one independently of that. Uh, you just, uh, I think it's 100 a year or as much as you want. And I think Sandy Keto is mm-hmm. sort yeah, of spearheads that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty easy to find ways to contribute around here. As we know, Jean's at the post office mm-hmm. every day with all the possible ways you could help. And That's right. So I, I, I'm really also uh, like to help with feeding the hungry, and I contribute to Volunteers Without Limits because they feed people every day. So that's that's what our, how I uh, approach that. I'd like to add something about the dogs. Okay. Mentioning the tragic incident that happened this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. People should just be aware, you know, and uh, be prepared. It's like I I would take a hiking stick when I walk around. Um, it was just a tragic thing. And, you know, dogs aren't always all love and light. No, yeah. especially not when there's a lot of them together. Oh, yeah. That's when it, just just to, to let our listeners know, um, a young woman, the woman was uh, killed by a pack of seven dogs this last, within this last week. And it sort of stunned the community. And, um, and the only thing I can let's let's hope there's some good that comes, which is somebody better start paying attention to the squads of dogs, because that's not funny. Because we have another friend who was attacked by a, a gang of dogs, so somebody hopefully is opening up their eyes and saying, you know, I, I'm praying here <laughs> that you know maybe somebody can pay attention to let's get you know let's get them spayed and neutered, please. Well, maybe with the new municipality, though, there's potential for new positions where there might be someone in charge of keeping an eye on somebody to call. I don't think there is now. There is yeah. no one to call. There is no one. Yeah. No. And we put we put our our faith and and uh, our resources and everything else into San Felipe Res- Dog Rescue, but they can't be everything. Nope. No. They, they can't, can't do everything. No. They have their hands full with. Just what they're doing. That's right. Yeah. Well, so. this isn't their thing. No, it isn't. Yeah. And when you're dealing with um, a, a lack of money for a lot of them, 
you know, they got to feed themselves first. And that, of course, you know, it's just the abuse doesn't have to happen. And and this does involve uh, criminality. So it's the... Correct. You know, yeah. the They're taking thing. care of it. They're taking care yeah. of it. So. Uh, police are. Let's make it rapid. Okay, yes, you just, have two seconds in which to answer these and questions. Each of you That's going to be a problem for me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> already. Can you, can you I tend to freeze. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. Right. First one. Favorite place for tacos? I don't like tacos. Dear God in heaven. I don't really like tacos that much either, but <laughs> I, my favorite place for um, a shrimp, which I do really like, is, and I, it changes all the time, but right now it's Dos Mares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So. We know that one. <laughs> yeah. We wish that people wouldn't keep saying that. <laughs> oh, I don't know where it is, and I can't tell you, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> So now you ask one. No, I, I don't have that list in front oh, of me, okay. so I'll just up to you. <laughs> I'll do this and you'll take over. So what's your? where's your favorite hanging out place for a drink? Where's your favorite place? Hmm. I thought Jolly Mon was pretty fun. When we played pool? Yeah. Yeah. That, that might be my new favorite, too. That was too. really yeah. relaxing. Yeah. And it changes, you know. Yep. I like the brewery, too, you know, for trivia and that's great for hanging out it's Mm -hmm. a good community center yeah it truly is it just there's so many choices for hanging out and having a drink oh my goodness so what do you um if there's music who what's your favorite band do you have anybody that you really like or do you ever go out and hear the bands because there's something going on every night seems like most of the music is way too loud for me Mm -hmm. and i don't enjoy going out and Mm -hmm. being in that loud atmosphere it's hard for me yeah. And I don't really have a favorite band. I really like to. Gisella. There we go. I really like Gisella, and she's her own band now. Yeah. Yep. And she's my favorite. Yep. But again, like Jaina, I don't. We don't get out much. I like being home at night. I was thinking of saying my favorite place for a drink is my house, but <laughs> no, I think that's what you were going for. So. <laughs> no, but that would have worked just fine. What would you take a first-time visitor to go do in San Felipe? Well, I like to take them to see the Malacan. I mean, you got to go down the Malacan and Mm -hmm. take them out to eat somewhere on the Malacan. So that's pretty much required. And then, I don't know, I like to take them out in the desert, on Mm -hmm. a desert run. That's a whole other world. And there's, there's a lot of... Just taking new people into the grocery store is fun, you know, because mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. different. So mm-hmm. showing them around town. Anything from you there, Peanut Gallery? I like to take a drive down the coast with new visitors because the terrain changes so much and you get that really deep blue water. Mm-hmm. And it's just a beautiful sight to share with people. Yeah, that is a nice drive. And I think just hanging on the beach is a good thing. The less things I have to plan, the better. So, I don't know, the beach is a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just got to have the weather cooperate for mm-hmm. the beach, and then you want to soak it up when it's those wind-free days. What's your favorite grocery store? I like Gonzalez Market mm-hmm. in the Ajito. Mm-hmm. I vote for Gonzalez. Okay. Gonzalez yeah. it is. They gave us free prizes last time. Uh, Christmas, remember? They gave us yes. a, a bag and... A, I got a coin purse. Really? And a grocery bag. And a keychain, was it? And a keychain. Yeah. 
Well, wait a minute. I'm going in there. <laughs> I didn't get any of it that. Was, it was a holiday special. Oh, I can't. I got it. I can't buy a big bottle of whiskey. So, oh, okay. So maybe that's it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And we know that that stuff is not cheap down here. No. no. Uh, no. Yeah, liquor is not cheap. No, it is not. They had to wipe the dust off it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 12 years in a vat, 12 years on the shelf. <laughs> 24-year-old scotch. <laughs> okay, um, what's your favorite San Felipe event? Like Taste of, taste of you know, mm-hmm. Shrimp Festival, those kind of things. Do you have any that you like? I like the Shrimp Festival because I like shrimp, as we have already seen. There's not a taco festival. Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. But yeah, I like the shrimp festival. I like walking around and seeing people, and that happens early in the season. You haven't seen anybody in a while, and stroll around. Yeah, I like that one. I like the blues thing too, but again, it can be a little loud. Yep, too loud for me. What's your favorite month in San Felipe that you're here? October and April. Those are nice months. They're pretty nice. Pretty yeah. nice months. Yeah, the shoulder seasons. Yep. Yeah. Is that because there's fewer people or it's just the temperature Just the, the weather's weather. better? Yeah, mm-hmm. but actually I like everywhere in October, so mm-hmm. maybe that's not wrong. So maybe you just like fall. I just like October. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. She just likes October. <laughs> so I think, I think that's okay. all the questions I have over okay. here, Cal. Yeah, I just have a couple more before we wrap this up. Do both of you or either of you speak Spanish? Hardly at all. I've tried and studied and actually working with the contractors the last few months has really been good for me because they are primarily Spanish and I do not want to miscommunicate by saying something in English and having them go nod and, and, you know, have no idea what I'm saying. So I've used Google Translate a lot. And even though I'm using that, I'm learning and I talk to them in Spanish as often as I can. And so it's getting better. But I, it's a one regret I have in my life is I did not learn Spanish or another language when I was younger and more able to do that, mm-hmm. that task. Because I've, I've done a lot. And I'm still doing Duolingo and, you know, I'm getting better. But not really. You don't really have to speak Spanish down here to get by. There's a lot of Spanish speakers, mm-hmm. bilingual people. Mm-hmm. And the people are so generous and patient. I just, you know, I wanted some white out once. Well, all I had to do was, I knew white was Blanco or Blanca. I wasn't sure which one. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just a little pantomime and pantomime and then it's done. So, you know, people are very helpful. <laughs> Everyone's looking at Jana right now. That's what that pause was. <laughs> no, don't speak Spanish. No. <laughs> Uh, Carol had another uh, experience in a bakery where she was asking for the French bread and uh, communicating in Spanish. And she told me that the lady said no with a really sad face. I came in and asked for pan francés. I think that's how you say it. And (laughs) they're always so, they don't want to say no. But when Uh they have to say no, they're like, no. Yeah, oh, that was a fun little exchange because she had no English, and I, you know, and she, what I had to do was order it and pick it up the next day, and we were able to get all that communicated with just wow, 
that's yeah. that's very special. That was yeah. it was yeah. an it was at Donna's Donuts. Mm. Donna's da- Donuts. Danny's Danny's Donut. Danny's D A N Y S. Danny's Donuts. Donuts. Yeah. D O N U S. Dang it, those are good. <laughs> it's hard to go in there and not eat oh, some God, of that I stuff. know. Oh, it's, it's really hard. It is. It's, it's really so good. good. Everybody says that, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Especial is supposed to be good, too, if you tried. Oh, yeah. I think Danny's Donas is far <laughs> superior, far superior French oh. bread. So what are we not talking about in San Felipe that you think we should be talking more about? I don't know if it should be talked about, but... Well, I guess I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> Some people come down just for vacation, and they kind of tear up the town. And I don't really like that. And sometimes I'm embarrassed for my fellow countrymen because I think it it's just um, disrespectful to come into another country and just be real dominant and belligerent. And I see that a lot for just short timers just coming down for a couple weeks. And I guess that's something that's not really addressed, but I don't know how one would. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's just, it's just an all out who cares. And Well, it's like people don't realize that this is people's homes. Mm-hmm. People live here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Living at Pete's Camp, we experience that because we live there. And mm-hmm. when people come through and are the racers and stuff, and the racers are mostly great, so I don't mean to disparage them, but... Sometimes they're hauling around Pete's camp at two in the morning, you know, making an incredible amount of noise. People live there. That would not be professional racers. No, that would be... This is just partiers. Right. Mm -hmm. The professional racers are fabulous, Mm -hmm. we found. The racer wannabes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Problematic even on this side of the ranch as well. It'd be nice if some of the Americans could check their attitude at the border and... Exactly, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, Gina. I think you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> They've been together so long, they're not sure who's, who's saying, saying what, what anymore. <laughs> Did right? my lips Get move? out of my brain. <laughs> yeah. So if you could put your feelings about San Felipe into one word, what would that be? Let's end with that. Blue. Peace. Well, this thank has been wonderful. Yeah. yeah, We love you guys a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Carol. And yeah. thank you, Jaina. Thank for you, joining. guys. You're well, welcome. You're our closest friends, so we're very happy that you're here, too. Thank you. Vice versa. Yeah. Ditto. Well, that's it for another episode of Turn Left at the Cactus. We want to thank Jaina and Carol for taking the time to share a little bit about themselves and their feelings about the area. We also want to take a minute to remind our listeners that we love sharing the many voices of our community. It's definitely a labor of love for us. If you're enjoying hearing about the many characters who make up our community of San Felipe, you'd be doing us a huge favor if you'd share this podcast with your friends and just take a minute to subscribe to our channel through Spotify or Apple and leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. And if you have ideas about who you think needs to be interviewed, drop us a line at cactusleft at gmail.com. If you're a business and would like to get the word out about your services, email us at cactusleft at gmail.com and we'll set you up as a sponsor. If you sponsor an episode before April 1st, it's free. 
So, until next time, thanks for listening, and don't forget to turn left at the cactus for no bad days. Clear. Ooh, yeah. Turn left at the cactus, let your worries fly away. 